This is an episode of What Are You Frightened For? And I am Louise Burns. And I'm Johnny Suck. And he wants me to project my voice. Correct? Yeah, I want you to project your voice like they project movies at Fantasia. Very good. You are clever. So we're going to talk about... People's Republic of Desire. Without anyone noticing, it seems that live streaming has become the hottest online trend in China. Uh, it was a very interesting documentary about streaming culture in China, looking at people who use a specific site called YY, and there's many sites out there. And on the site YY, you have streamers who just do sort of talk showy things. You know, probably every night, pretty regular basis, to have thousands, millions of viewers, and they also have patrons that support them and that donate and buy them gifts on the site. Think of it as community television, but streaming. One of the interesting statistics is that uh, China, 80% of uh, its population is online, and of that, 50% are live streaming. And it is mostly the younger people that are in this, and but they're it has um they're very into it it's really uh become an obsession of the chinese people and it is uh, a popularity contest generally because it's about votes and uh gifts but it isn't really about any particular skill or any content or any content um and it has two tiers of supporters. One is very working class, uh, like all the migrant workers is what they showed in this film. And they live in almost prison-like um, lodgings, very small and very um, drab. And they become very wrapped up in championing their uh, Camstar favorites. There is a annual contest. Do you want to describe that? Yeah, so the film looked a lot at a contest that the site YY runs annually, pretty much to see, give awards to who's the most popular camera in different categories. But it's really just a popularity contest based on who gets the most votes. And votes are, you know, you buy the votes. So it's really whose fans are willing to put the most money in to support them. But the people are really into it. Like It was like World Cup levels of hype you know, with the passion that these fans had for their favorite cameras. And, you know, strange, like, why would they be so invested in these people? But they're watching them an hour or two every night. So it's, you know, people have their favorite TV show or you know, they tune into Oprah every day or they watch their favorite basketball team play, you know, a few times a week. So it kind of made sense that these people are so wrapped up and invested in their cameras. Yeah. But it's also kind of amazing and yeah. scary and weird. It is. Um, it's a straight-up popularity contest. But the I mentioned two tiers of supporters. So there's the the tier that doesn't have a lot of money, and for them it's friendship. It's um, the fact that they get some sort of like there's a, there's communication, a lot of like emojis going back and forth or some sort of affirmation of support or acknowledgement because a lot of what the person is doing is thanking people uh, so just acknowledging them and then the other tier is very very rich people who 
are trying to show their power by the way that they spread their wealth. So they um, get all sorts of praise for, you know, contributing an outrageous amount of money. And part of the of what is said in this documentary is that, you know, if you buy a Ferrari, you're not standing out amongst the rich because everybody has a Ferrari. This is the capacity to stand out amongst the poor. And so the poor acknowledge that you're a big man, big money. And so there is this kind of um, bizarre ego gratification that's happening there. And the cam performers themselves are in their own uh, slavery <laughs> because it is a lot of pressure. Um, it's the, the money that they make generally the, what you're seeing is these people supporting their families but also uh, becoming alienated from their families because they have no life because their whole life evolves around uh, getting whatever costume whatever um, content even though there isn't very much of it together for their performance so the people who are the performers are miserable as well yeah it's interesting to see how the performers you know their goal is to be number one and then once they get to number one, just the pressure that they were feeling to stay on top, they have to keep being interesting. There's someone else who's coming up with more interesting shows and trying to steal their fans. And <laughs> they're all miserable. You know, they've achieved their dreams. Mm -hmm. They have legions of fans. They have tons of opportunity, tons of money. <laughs> and they're miserable. And there's one of the main performers that the documentary is following kind of said I just want to go back to being you know a wage worker mm -hmm. uh, doing you know, terrible shitty work mm -hmm. anyway so it is a dystopian film about loneliness about popularity or the thirst for popularity um, about weird sort of gambling it's almost like a slot machine only the icons are talking back at you yeah exactly People who are spending the money here are rich enough that they can just drop $30,000 in a chat room mm -hmm. to give digital gifts to someone on screen. That doesn't make sense. Like that's no. why they're doing that and why they get hooked on it. Um, and even what they purchase, often you see, you know, just loads of crap in their uh, loads of fake crap because it's all fake Italian furniture and fake wealth. And the poor, I guess, live vicariously. I think it's about fantasy. The people who are the stars are not classically famous. So therefore, I guess if you're poor, it seems more attainable because you don't need to, you know, be an Olympian or be a great singer or be have any kind of particular skill. Yeah, part of it was seeing, oh, he's one of us who's now famous yeah. and camming every night. And so that, you know, got the, the masses invested in him. And one thing to add is that this was looking at Chinese cam culture, but it's not too different from what's going on in the rest of the world. And North America has its own uh, cam culture that has a lot of the same stuff going on. And so it's something that's happening all around us, mm -hmm. sort of underground, so that people aren't aware of it. That's definitely uh, a major force in our culture right now. Mm -hmm. Which leads us to the next film, which is called Cam. And Cam is a fiction film, and it is based on, I guess, the North American 
uh, streaming phenomenon, which I guess would have started uh, quite a while back when that woman decided she was going to um, put herself on camera for uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, we first started to tap into people's voyeurism and people's fascination with peering in on somebody else's life. This one is much more of a sex worker point of view. The same model of, of um, getting gifts, and financial gifts and votes and popularity, but in her case, it is more overtly sexual and the people who are giving money are asking her to do things, sexual things generally. She titillates and she also has to make the people who are her patrons or the people who are financially supporting her think that she is engaged in some sort of real relationship with them. So that is the fantasy. It's a flirtatious fantasy. And it is depicted in this film. Um, we see two in particular of her patrons. The action is on the screen, very much in that cam um, screen life that we've been talking about, but it goes off of the screen as well. And when she sort of exists outside of that streaming life, her mother, for example, doesn't know what she's doing. Her brother and his friends have found out what she's doing. So see her uh, doing these sexually explicit things. So of course he has to deal with uh, all his friends um, having a good laugh about that. And her lack of control of her own life is um, magnified and amplified by her identity being stolen, her, her um, login information for her account to pursue her financial career as a cam, um, cam girl, I guess is what they're called, is uh, hacked in. And there is a, another person who is in fact her <laughs> doing these shows. So. Uh, we jump into a bit of time travel, um, ghost in the machine, uh, thriller, horror story. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting. The idea of, you know, she's seeing herself on the screen, doing things that she never did, wondering what's going on, and losing her identity in a way that someone else is taking it over. And, and making more money than she did, <laughs> which I think was the major problem. <laughs> And her obsession to up her score was, it was, you know, that next hit was her, her score getting better. Yeah, so this film touched upon that sort of thing, the, the treadmill of digital popularity, but then also identity theft, which is a huge thing and something's becoming uh, a bigger and bigger threat in our world. A few months ago, there was... Uh, the deepfakes phenomena where there's a software out there that you can you know easily mm -hmm. splice someone else's face onto you know a video of something that they're not doing so I can take a video of you and I could take a take a picture of you and create a video of you murdering someone mm -hmm. and it's not you who murdered the person but it's gonna look like it it's gonna look very real and you know it's it's really scary that's a big problem for for our world and you know videos have always been taken as very strong evidence mm -hmm. but not anymore and so this film kind of dealt with, dealt with that where the person in this movie is just seeing herself do all these things on screen 
that she wouldn't do, that's not her, that she's trying to explain to people, no, that's not me. And of course, they don't believe her, they don't understand what's going on. But then that's, yeah, the person's identity being stolen and losing control over themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did tie, tie in very much with the themes that we've been talking about in terms of what are you frightened for, which is uh, lack of control with technology and the fact that um, a lot of the conceiving these things for one purpose, streaming or you know video technology, and then having them used for um, purposes that work that that are frightening and that work against your own motivations and desires. So, so that was Cam. It was the world premiere at Fantasia. So keep your eyes open for it. Really strong cast. The acting was amazing, um, and has you know some people who have. Uh, for example, the producers of Get Out and Whiplash are behind it, so I imagine that it will have some uh, commercial run. And directed by Daniel Goldhaber, written by Issa Mazzeri, and starring Madeline Brewer. And it was a first-time project for the two of them as well, which uh, we've seen a lot of first-time projects at Fantasia, and it's pretty impressive, so... I take people, their voice, their, their shape, their look, their memories hopes and dreams, everything that makes somebody who they are, I take it. Alright, the next film, which plays into a bit of a similar theme as Cam, is Life Changer, which is directed, written, and produced by Justin McConnell. It was the world premiere of Fantasia, uh, so again, you'll have to keep your eyes open in the coming months. Uh, for, it comes out in theaters or on Netflix. And Life Changer is about a shapeshifter serial killer who has to kill someone, take their form, live in their form for some amount of time until their body starts to deteriorate. Then they have to kill someone else and take their form. And so where Cam had someone's form being taken from them and being copied, you have Life Changer where it's one person who's taking all different forms and the main character in the movie is actually played by six different actors and actresses as the movie progresses it's you know a different person in every scene and so that film was really interesting to see how you have different people play the same role how do you make the character consistent across different actors whether it's speech patterns habits body language and it was a super interesting movie. And it wasn't just about serial killer life changer, it was also a love story. As this person's trying to get close to someone that they love, but then <laughs> has to take a different form every mm -hmm. few days and try to work their way a little closer and somehow get in with this person. How do they pick the form? How do they pick the person that they're going to uh, life change into? Sometimes it's just convenience who's around, who they can get in, you know, a dark alley. There's some people who are targeted because of their place or their position in society. Uh, but it was really interesting to just see how this person's always on the run. Once they take someone's form, they have to live as them and kind of pretend to be them and go to work as them and go back to the family. Because if they don't do that, then suspicion, you know, comes up around, you know, or that person go, what are they doing? And then and there's more heat. Do they, uh, when they embody the new person, do they have that person's memories? 
Yes. And maybe not everything, but some of it. But yeah, that was really interesting also if you think of you know, your physical form and how that affects how you are in the world, how people treat you, mm-hmm. what your experiences are because of that. And well, what if you just take all these other physical forms and how would your experience be different then? And how would your um, identity be different? Did the, the a core identity of this person evolve in any way? Did it Was it a positive thing for this person? Say, well, the movie took place over, say, a period of two weeks. So there wasn't much chance for evolution. For sure there was something, but we didn't see it in the film. But yeah, that was life changer. I thought it was really interesting. And yeah, keep your eyes open for that. Does being good really matter? Bad things happen to good people all the time, right? If I don't do it, 